Well, hello there. Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. The e-commerce podcast is all about helping you deliver e-commerce well and to help you do just that. I am chatting with today's guest, Kevin Wiles, about why SEO is not just about the search engines, but better websites. It's been such a while, uh, such a long time actually, since we've had anyone on the show about SEO. So I'm excited to get into this, Kevin. But before you and I jump into that, let me suggest a few other e-commerce podcast episodes that I think you will enjoy listening to. So check out how SEO rankings can help you improve your customer experience with Nick Truman, the legend that is Nick Truman. Uh, and also check out the three pillars of SEO with Alana Ghost. Uh, that two episodes definitely worth checking out. You can find them uh, as well as our entire archive of episodes on our website for free at ecommercepodcast.net. Uh, and on our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter. And each week we will email you these links that we mention along with the notes and the links from today's conversation with Kevin. You can get that direct to your inbox, totally free. How amazing is that? Now, this episode is brought to you by the e-commerce cohort, which helps deliver e-commerce well to your customers. Kevin, I am sure you have come across a whole bunch of folks, right, stuck with their e-commerce website or they've got siloed into one or two areas they're just working on and miss the whole big picture. Well, enter e-commerce cohort to solve this problem. It's a lightweight membership group with guided monthly, monthly sprints that cycle through all the key areas of e-commerce, the sole purpose uh, of which is to provide you with clear, actionable jobs to be done. Yes, so you will know what to work on uh, and uh, you'll get the support you need to get it done. So whether you are just starting out in e-commerce or if like me, you are a well-established e-commerce slash e-commerce dinosaur, uh, I encourage you to definitely check it out. Visit ecommercecohort.com. That's ecommercecohort, all one word, dot com. Uh, or if you like, just email me with any questions that you've got and I'll try my level best to answer them. You can reach me at uh, matt at ecommercepodcast.net. And of course, you can also email me with any comments or thoughts you've got about the show. Would love to hear what you've got to say. Now, let's jump into the conversation with our fab guest. Kevin is a passionate technical SEO lead with a career history of working with big household names across New Zealand. Oh yes, the Kiwis uh, and the United Kingdom, including Halfords and Furniture Village. Kevin, thanks for coming on the show. Great to have you here. Super excited to be talking about SEO. How are we doing? All good, thank you. I'm recovering from Brighton SEO, so my voice is a little croaky, but all good, um, lots of knowledge, takeaways from that. So yeah, excited to be on the podcast. Fantastic, well, it's good to be here. And thank you for, you know, we were just talking before we hit the record button that you may be a little bit fatigued from the, uh, <laughs> <I> feel, <laughs> from all the I, stuff. I feel like if you're an SEO and you woke up today and you're not tired and fatigued, you didn't do Brighton SEO properly. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that how that works? It's just the new, the new motto that they have on the website every year. <laughs> <laughs> the tagline uh, on the on the landing page: "You guaranteed you will be knackered and tired the day after." Uh, <laughs> that's a sign up now. You'd be like, "Okay, yep. I'm in, I'm in." So, what happened at Brighton SEO that made it so epic this year? Um, I think 
I think for me, it's just I typically go to Brighton and um, use that time to a go to some of the fantastic talks, but then also use it time to network with lots of people that live like Liverpool, Newcastle, all across the different the country. Um, and typically, that just means you start networking, you start talking. It's by the beach. There's nice sea views. That leads to a few beers, which then leads to a hangover in the morning. Um, and I think that just over a three-day period. So I usually typically um, head up on the Wednesday, come back uh, on the Friday. Um, it's a long way in a car. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, where did you drive down from? Uh, so I'm based in Stratford on Maven. So it took okay. me about three hours there and five and a bit back. <laughs> that does not sound fun. Do you know, have you heard of a train? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I have. I, there's, um, there's something about trains. And with all the train strikes, I was like, I think I'd rather drive than be stuck at yeah. a train station just being like, I just want to be at home now. Yeah, no, fair play, fair play. So, did you um, did you take lots of notes at Brighton SEO? Have you got lots of new ideas? I did. I actually took some advice this this time around. So, typically, I, I go and geek out and do all the tech things around artificial intelligence and machine learning and e-commerce SEO. And this time around, there was actually some good advice about going to do talks that you wouldn't typically do. So, things like, hey, I'm not a digital PR person, so going and sitting in some of those digital PR talks mm-hmm. to just learn some new stuff i guess um and there's some fantastic talks specifically around uh agency growth culture uh, preventing burnout that sort of stuff which was um i don't think it's talked about enough in mm-hmm. let, let's say seo but digital as a whole about uh we sit at our laptops for an enormous amount of time oh, we do. Uh, yeah, every yeah, day yeah. um so those those talks were really insightful and good i came away with some tips of i should probably get out more do less <laughs> SEO and more walks and stuff. So uh, I feel like a lot of my life is just uh, work, SEO, and then you get FOMO of missing out. And so yeah, those those talks were good. Uh, but it's 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 fantastic. I think it's a great initiative, particularly for um, the younger people coming up in the industry to have yeah. an opportunity to talk and learn those things that essentially will keep SEO alive for years to come. That's if robots don't kill us off first. But <laughs> you never know, right? You never know. You never know. Uh, uh, I've seen the Matrix, so I know what happened. Um, so, what was your biggest takeaway from from the conference? Um, I think that search is advancing is is always the biggest takeaway I take from from any of these events, whether it's Brighton, Search Love, Mozcon, and stuff. I think for me, the the core principles of SEO haven't really changed since I started, like twelve years ago, fourteen years ago, and that was before Google even existed. I like mm. left college and I fell into SEO. Um, but I think that it's it's advancing at such a rate, but actually it's, it's not in the same instance. I, hey, the core principles around, is it technically sound? This, is the site optimized for speed? Is it, you know, is facet navigation from an e-commerce point of view done for a customer and an SEO benefit? I think yeah. those things have stayed the same, but I think it's just insightful to come away and be like, there's now GPT-3 to automate content kind of there's a big caveat there don't go and do that on category pages and that stuff because that's not great and google doesn't like that but i think just seeing how technology is helping the industry advance is the biggest takeaway mm. um but it just always learning something new always yeah i think whenever you you think you're at that point where there's something you can't learn someone somewhere has done something that you're like oh that's cool yeah, that's um, the, um, I, 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 and that's, for me, that's the appeal of going to things like that. They're usually far away. They're usually expensive, you know, in terms of time and just the cost of getting there, I suppose. And that's before you've paid the entry price, whatever that is. And so there, there are a few conferences that I would sort of entertain going to. And it's that, 
it's for me, it's the whole idea generation. That's the value in going there. And you sit and you listen to other people. And I don't know if your mind does this, Kevin, but my mind certainly does it. I start to, I sat there with my notebook and I start to wander in my thinking and I just jot, jot down all my crazy ideas and, and you've always found something, you know, and it's like. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think you know, um, I don't know about you, but like I pretty much work from home full time now, right? Like before when I was at Halfords, I was like full time in the office and you're then talking to people, networking, talking about different, you know, bouncing things off merchandise about how you can do uh, PRP optimizations better, et cetera. And I think now going to Brighton, you actually get to speak to other SEOs. Whereas at home, as much as I'm trying, I've got a nine month old kitten. She just doesn't want to talk <laughs> SEO with me. She just looks at me like I'm bizarre, wants her dinner and then that's it. So going to Brighton gives me the opportunity to actually talk and bounce the ideas off other SEOs and try and problem solve. And I think yeah. that's with, with any event. You go to um, IRX in Birmingham, for example, that's happening this week or, or um, won't be when this is aired, but it's happening in um, October. You know, it's a great opportunity to go and talk to uh, e-commerce platforms and suppliers and see what some of those people are doing in the tech and advancements that aren't yeah. holistically within SEO, but will have an impact for SEO. You know, you just look at things like spit testing software where it's used for user benefit, but those aren't implemented correctly suddenly has an impact on site speed, which then from an SEO point of view, you're sat there going, let's not do any of this but there's mm. different benefits and i think it's it's good going to those events because you get to start to understand the wider picture of like seo isn't the only channel that exists and seo isn't the only important thing that exists in e-commerce um mm. and just to network with cool people there's lots of cool fascinating people in seo and tech and e-commerce that you just wouldn't get exposed to because as much as you want to talk to them on twitter so there are probably a hundred other people whereas in brighton you can bump into them buy them a coffee a beer chips mm. whatever it might be and start to just chips <laughs> just pick their intelligent brain apart and, and find something which to your point you then come away with ideas and i think most of my creative ideas are always they start at brighton but they sort of come to fruition when i'm back home on walks sat mm -hmm. in front of the tv where i'm like oh i could take that idea that i didn't think i could use for any clients and i could actually use it by tweaking mm -hmm. it and doing this this and this mm -hmm. and before you know it you've got like these cool ideas mm -hmm. uh, the downside to that is you've got a put a commercial value behind those ideas or actually try and put a hey client if we go and do this is this a benefit rather than just i've got this cool idea it's going to take yeah. 100 hours but it's cool um which is the the, the always the impact of seo it's like there's a hundred things to do what what do you need to do to actually or you need to be able to prove what you should do and why rather than yeah. just here's a list of things and go and fix them yeah no brilliant brilliant Okay, so let's uh, let's rewind a little bit, and um, let's not make any assumptions uh, of, from for people listening to the show, because I think SEO for years has been one of those things where people have either um, ignored it completely, or they've um, they've succumbed to whoever calls them that day uh, and promises to get them on page one for like you know uh, of Google. Um, and we've all had those phone calls from SEO agencies promising us a world and delivering absolutely bugger all. Um, you know, it's that kind of um, reputation, isn't it? So SEO, is it? Let's start off with this question, right? Is SEO part of the dark arts? Is it just like a witchcraft uh, is probably my, my question. <laughs> I, I think for a long time, if I look back at the days when I first started SEO, which was, like I said before, it, it was... SEO wasn't a thing. Um, I don't think it was a dark art. I think that we as SEOs did things that we knew 
weren't ideal for, for the user, but knew we could get away with them, i.e. tech wasn't advanced back then. AltaVista was mm-hmm. the biggest search engine. I remember working on sites where white text on a white background with all your keyword stuff at the bottom and you could rank number one and yeah, build a sort days. of like yeah. yellow pages site on your own website to get links. I think we as SEOs have kind of sold this magic because we believe that's how it needs to be sold as a product to get sales in. Yeah. Um, but it it's like most things, it's just a methodical approach of saying, okay, if Google guidelines say this, what does that actually mean for me? And I'm not saying, hey, Google's guidelines are always fundamentally correct because there needs to be context behind what that recommendation is. But I definitely don't think it's a dark art. I think um, it's just understanding. Let's take a retail shop, right, for example. Um, Let's imagine you've got the best shop ever, but then what you've gone and done is blacked out the windows because you don't want anyone to see in. Well, probably customers won't come in because they might think you're closed, renovating, or actually maybe it's just a bit weird a shop and they don't want to go into that. And SEO is the same, right? It's, mm. hey, you've got the best content in the world, but then you've not got your tech stack set up correctly and you've not got site speed set up or there's issues with JavaScript. Well, suddenly Google can't see any of that content to help your shop front be visible for different keywords. And then suddenly no one comes. And I mm. think it, it is just that simple. Um, I think we have just missold it there's been lots of kind of like statements released that probably aren't factually correct or slightly tweaked to mm. push an agenda um, and that's made people particularly with less understanding of seo have this view to your point that is is a dark art and it, it's magic and for years it was like well i can just do ppc and i know exactly what i'm getting back because i spend yeah. x and i get x y and it's much easier to and even that's true today when i was at halfords it was cool but if we spend this in ppc we can get this back and what can you do from an SEO point of view? And then you start doing forecasting, but none of that forecasting is robust enough and still isn't today. There's lots of modeling and stuff you can do, but I, I still don't think it gives you a, actually, this is what you can get because, hey, the caveat is, well, if devs don't go and do this or the head of e-com goes and t- turns off the Black Friday page each year and then creates another one, suddenly that forecast is all thrown into doubt out, yeah. out of your control. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, if I'm... If I'm Halfords, I get the value of SEO, right? I'm a big site, and I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can see that. But if I'm, if I'm Rob's car parts, you know, I've just got a little car parts shop uh, on the back streets of Liverpool. And I'm thinking, ah, you know what? I'm going to set up a website. Is SEO something that he should think about? Is it, or is he just going to look at Halfords and go, "There's no way I can compete. I'm not going to get on page one. Um, so why should I even think about SEO?" Yeah, I think, and if this is where I was talking to that, like the advancements of search, I think maybe many years ago, there'd have been this, we can get you ranking potentially for these high volume search terms because we could do lots of sort of like obscure shady link building. I think now it's much tougher to compete at a national level for things like car parts or MOT, for example, against QuickFit and Halfords. But where you can win as a like smaller brand is like, understanding what that SERP actually returns. And what I mean by that is if I go and search um, MOT booking, for example, what I'll probably get is Google saying, hey, we think you're in Stratford-upon-Avon and here's some garages in Stratford-upon-Avon, which mm-hmm. in some instances may not even have a Halford or a Quickfit or some of the big brands return because they don't have a garage that close. And that's the kind of sweet spot is Google's now starting to understand different search queries to say, actually, we think that is a local query and therefore you have an opportunity to rank through maps or through the the local stuff. So I think it is becoming more of a level playing field and definitely has more value. Um, But it is still the big players typically rank and win 
across the big the big sites. And the, the, the other is absolutely true as well. When I was at Halfords, we actually started to lose ground for things like mountain bikes and tyres and stuff. Um, local landing pages. And that meant that some of the smaller brands and that we then had to go and do strategy. We had to build our local pages out. And there's a post I did recently about um, a small convenience brand called Select and Safe near me. And mm. they have the same issue. They have a main website, but no dedicated lake, local landing pages for, say, convenience store. And people are trying to find those products or services close by. Yeah. Yeah. I was... When I was sort of coming through the ranks of e-commerce, uh, I've seen stuff come and go around um, SEO, and I've seen stuff come and go about around a whole. And it seemed to me maybe about, I want to say about five years ago, maybe seven years ago, content marketing was big on the scene. You know, HubSpot kind of came across and said, do content marketing. Um, inbound is the way of the future. Get everybody coming to you rather than doing the megaphone and sharing the app. The whole idea being you go on the web you do some research you find a question that somebody is asking and you write a blog post with the question as the title in theory you would then rank for that on google and that would bring traffic back to your website and it was always that was a stage where you were told that was easier to do than say rank for a product so um i have uh, a, a company vegetology the products sat on my desk here it's a vegan supplement an omega-3 supplement which is awesome um and so there was a whole strategy then done around, let's just write a load of blog posts around Omega-3. Does Omega-3 work? Why should I take Omega-3? Blah, 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 blah. And you do all these blog posts and you put them on the blog. And yes, they do bring traffic in. But is, is that still something that is relevant for today or is that kind of gone by the wayside as well? I think it's, it's definitely still relevant. I think it, it's only relevant if you're going to do it and be the expert in that content. So I'll use a Halfords example. When I first joined Halfords, we owned pretty much all the commercial terms related to all the bike categories, mm -hmm. but we didn't have anything that would be like uh, how to find the right size bike or how to measure your child for your bike or the mountain bike buying guide or whatever it might be. Yeah. And then when we started to do that content, uh, for caveat here, just so people don't think I'm terrible SEO, content sat in a completely different team, um, those content articles were basically created to be maybe 200, 300 words. Mm -hmm. But if you then flip that, and I use an example I remember when I was a, a kid, I used to go into Clark's shoe store and, and parents would be like, cool, we need to get some new trainers, whatever that is. And that whole experience would be someone measuring my feet in their little um, electronic machine and clamping it either side. And then they'd be like, cool, you can have these trainers with the light up thing because they've got a padded sole. And it was a whole experience. But if you take that and put that into a blog content piece, you can't explain that journey about how to measure your feet in two mm -hmm. words. And similar to the, the mountain bike example. And I think, again, we as SEOs have said, hey, create loads of content and traffic will come. But actually what people have ended up doing is creating lots of terrible content rather than saying, rather than saying, rather than saying, okay, if you're talking about Omega-3 and you're explaining what is Omega-3, if you go and look at like Healthline, for example, that article is probably a couple of thousand words. And the word count is slightly irrelevant, but the point of it is they've gone away and understood every question and sub-question that's related and the benefits, the side effect, the dosage, and yeah. then come back with the most comprehensive piece of content. And they've done that for a whole broad set of topics. And I think that's where we're seeing this pivot and sort of like change at the moment where for years we said, we'll sell you 10 blog posts a month. Thank you very much. We'll create 10 blog posts. 
without much thought or direction, it's just 10 blog posts will definitely get traffic cool ticking the box. And now it's going the other way where people are doing content audits and actually removing a lot of content that has just been done because SEO said we should do content. And it's mm-hmm. kind of got to that place where it's like now less is more. And of that less content, the more well-written it is, the more well-researched it is, the better. Um, and then you start tying in the FAQs and you mark that with FAQ schema and you get the, like, the feature snippets in Google and stuff. There's still an, a play here to get traffic from those, but I do think it's a less is more and if you can be the authority. So uh, particularly in certain industries for the Omega-3, for example, if I wrote a piece of content about Omega-3s, I wouldn't rank anywhere because mm-hmm. I'm not authority. I don't have the uh, accreditations and education to be the right person to talk about Omega-3. But if a doctor did it and had those profiles marked up and Google understand actually uh, they've written it, they've got the right degrees, etc. there's probably a higher chance they'll rank for it. Yeah. Um, so I do think it's just about understanding the audience and then creating detailed content that is what you would get if you went to the pharmacy or the doctor and got the same advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we have SEOs have just for many years gone, how do I cut the corner? What's the little loophole I can go around and get some rankings and stuff? And it works for a long time, right? Like mm-hmm. there's always this view of SEO should be about getting traffic, but I, before I joined Halfords, was always agency side, and I lived by that for a long time. It's like, well, traffic's up 30%. We've done a great job, thank you very much. And mm. when I went to Halfords, it shifted my whole mindset a lot to be like, I don't care if traffic is actually down as long as revenue is up because revenue mm-hmm. is what keeps stores open, which keeps the staffs in job and helps the business grow. Um, but to do that, we actually started declining the amount of traffic, uh, the amount of content we were doing right. to make that content useful because otherwise it's basically just going to sit on a shelf like an old toy in Toy Story that no one plays with anymore. Yeah, no, that's fascinating because I think it sounds like, Kevin, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like uh, for years, and this is not just peculiar to SEO, this is, you know, every aspect of e-commerce has fallen foul to this. We've always looked for the shortcut. We've always looked for the hack, you know, Um, how to hack life, how to hack SEO. How, do you know what I mean? We want the hack. We want the quick, easy, dirty win where we don't have to do anything. The putting all the keywords in white text on a white background and just, and yep. just you know that that was the hack. But the more complicated um, technology has got, it feels like the more Google has gone. Actually, guys, we're going to cut the hacks. It's not that we want to stop div- divvying up the content, but we want to divvy up the right content and quality content. And it yeah, seems sure. to me. That if and, uh, we invest in that quality side of things, long term, that's the winning strategy. Would that be a fair yeah. reflection? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the last maybe two months have shown that, right? Like GPT-3 and content automation and, and machine learning stuff has been a big play to that where there's sites out there that purely exist and they only exist because they've got automated content. None of it is reviewed. It's just completely automated. And Google's then obviously re- released the helpful content update. And it's been purely to say, this isn't good for the audience because it's auto-generated through machine learning and that machine learning right now is not perfect. And that's where, again, we as SEOs are going, cool, I can build this API thing and I can do this machine learning stuff and then auto-generate the content. Cool, I can then sit on my sofa for a couple of hours in the evening and chill while my content's just doing its thing. Um, and that's, again, we as SEOs are trying to cut corners. There's a place for it, but mm. that place isn't full automation. It's, you know, with some tweaks, with some analysis, with the keywords and all the intent and stuff taken into consideration. Um, I think we'll get to a place where that 
becomes more there's like lots of hot topics and brighton had some great ones around ai and all that sort of stuff that come into content to help us build that at scale but i don't think that will ever or at least for the short term take away from if you're a great writer you understand your audience you understand your product enough mm. you are the best person to create that content for your audience because you know well you know your audience whereas a machine at the moment just doesn't yeah. and tools can only give you so much right just because google says these keywords are what you should include in content doesn't mean you should go and include them 50 times yeah yeah no that's a fair comment i like that and I, I like the idea that actually quality wins and it's less about creating 10 blog posts but about creating one really good quality uh post for your content and and so if that's the case, right, and uh, sorry, let me just uh, go back a, a sec. You've, you've mentioned this phrase GPD-3 uh, a couple of times. What do you mean by that? Just Let's so, just clarify that. Yeah, so I'm definitely in no expert here, but GPD-3 is a, um, like many others, a sort of like AI type based model that can mm -hmm. basically, you give it a load of inputs and it, it gives you outputs. And um, there's tools like phrase.io, et cetera, that can basically you go in, title keyword or a topic you want to create it will spit back a thousand word pieces of content um, and that's a very broad high level example um, and there are content sites today that are purely generated just on hey i've given it a load of keywords it's gone away and created content and there's a i won't name drop them because they won't be very happy but there's e-commerce sites that i know that their whole category content today is completely automated it then goes through a manual process of someone internally reviewing it but it saves them 80 percent time from someone actually creating that from scratch and that's allowed them to rank and rank very well uh, in one of the biggest e-commerce spaces um wow. but there's different models out there but i think google's helpful content update was aimed at saying there's lots of rubbish out there that those things are doing because there's great models that take lots of time to train and, and tailor and then there's lots of like lower end models that you can buy a subscription for for like $99. And again, we as SEOs are going, oh, I'll just build loads of content with that $99 subscription, spin up a site, get it to rank, make loads of money. And then if it gets hit by Google's next update, I'll just spin it up again. Um, so yeah, that's broadly, it's probably a terrible um, explanation, but that's broadly what it, what it covers. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So what's your if I'm if I'm starting, let's think of the two two sort of two two worlds, if you like. So you've got people who have been around; they're, they're in e-commerce. They've been around for a little while. So like Vegetology, you know, that website's been around for a while. Um, and then you've got the, the 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 you know the guys and gals who are starting out. They're they're starting out fresh. So what should um, what should I think about as someone who's been around e-commerce for a little while for an S, from an SEO point of view? What should be some of the strategy points that I I need to hit? Yeah. So it's a good question, and it with anything in SEO, it's gonna depend on the context here. But like, for me, I try and understand, A, if you have local stores, that's probably gonna be a different strategy altogether because you can double down on local. But for the purpose of this, let's just say you've got traditional e-com with uh, CLPs, PLPs, and then PDP templates, for example. I'd be trying to understand what's on those PDPs. So one of the things I see lots of people do is build load of great products, great product imagery. I'm working with a client right now that has fantastic product imagery. And mm -hmm. then the description of that product is about 50 words. Now, does that describe the product in enough detail in terms of the ingredients, the, if it's dosage, for example, if it's vitamins, um, all the benefits, does it link out to support and content? Does it have related products that you should take like a vitamin stack in the morning, for example? And I think that's the biggest missed opportunity is because as SEOs, we go after volume, or traditionally, we've always gone after volume keywords, right? We've got, hey, Omega-3, that's got 
10,000 searches a month, great, I'm going after that. Yep. But actually, what about, you know, touched upon a minute ago, vegan. So what about vegan Omega-3 tablets? Or what about Omega Vegan 3, uh, Omega, Vegan Omega 3 uh, men's joint supplements or something that's much longer tail that has yeah. lower search volume, but actually would return a product that that user is then more likely to buy because they're in that mindset. And I think mm. that's typically the biggest missed opportunities because doing product page SEO is hard, right? Particularly the bigger your catalog gets. Yeah. How do you work out where you focus? And Halfords had the same example. They had like 70,000 products. It's like, cool, where do we start? <laughs> and then that then then that goes back to the same thing it's like okay that goes back to the exact same seo process that you would have done years ago which is keyword research mm. group those keywords by the the topic and then work out okay what's google returning today in this in their kind of like SERP listing and then tailor that content around it and then you know if i went into a store people are getting more conscious these days to, to say what's the ingredients where's it come from where's it sourced etc etc like that information should also be online. I think mm-hmm. retailers are getting better, but then it's about what's the differentiator between you and like my protein if it's vitamins or Holland and Barrett mm-hmm. in those in- instances. And I think that's then it ties back to the content to say, well, they are covering a huge catalog of products and they're going after, let's say my protein is going after whey protein because that might be their best selling product. Mm-hmm. So they're probably not con- supporting their omega-3 section as much they're not probably looking at supporting content and the health benefits and stuff it's like that's your niche double down yeah think for the supporting content and then go from there and, and i think that's just where people are like lacking because everyone tries to do everything too fast and it doesn't typically work unless you've got huge budgets and then that's a different story yeah <laughs> which none of us really have <laughs> yeah uh but it's it's no i like that it's interesting because people ask, often ask me actually you know with how do I compete against Amazon? It's one of the big questions people ask. And I'm like, well, Amazon's commodities, right? It's a website. It can, you can put this product on Amazon and it's just going to be one of 10,000, right? Uh, of Omega-3s on there. And it's like, whoever gets to that page, you can put the content on there. That Amazon doesn't care. What Amazon can't do um, and where I can absolutely kill it compared to Amazon is with the knowledge is with the passion is with the personality is with the authenticity is in answering the questions it's in the you know all that information on there and so back to Halfords you know Amazon may sell a mountain bike Halfords may sell a mountain bike but if I'm if I've got a little mountain bike business man alive I can totally rock my website because I can put so much more into that that Amazon's not doing, that Halfords can't do because it's got 70,000 products. Amazon just doesn't care because it's got 4 billion products on there or whatever the, the amount is these days. So I, I, I think you're right. I think they're, they're investing in that, investing in, in that kind of content, to me, seems like a really smart strategy and actually what you're saying kevin if i'm hearing this right is not only is that a smart strategy from just a a brand voice point of view from differentiating from amazon from differentiating from your competitors but it's also a smart strategy from an seo point of view yeah for sure and i think your, your example is is a great one because hey if i'm a um let's say i run a small bike shop in trapper of Navan and i want to own that space well like instantly i've got new topic opportunities which is cool well my audience may be looking for repairs they may, may be looking for same day repairs or they may be looking for uh i've got a family of three i want a bike journey that's maybe an hour on a flat surface on a tarmac and i as a specialist because i run in my small bike shop can create some content that's like top five bike rides in shrap from which a big retailer isn't going to do because they're mm-hmm. going to go 
well, who cares? You know who I am. You're going to come and buy to me. And I think the other part is, if I pull on a different example, I um, one of my friends um, runs a kind of Michelin star gastro pub, which I went to uh, on Saturday, which was lovely. But um, they were like, hey, we want to start ranking for things like Michelin star restaurant Cotswolds, for example. But actually, when you go and Google that, there aren't any pubs ranking for that because Google's interpreted that search term as hmm, maybe it's not fair we just return one result. So what they've done is returned sort of like inspiration blogs where it's like, here's the top five restaurants in the Cotswolds, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. My job as SEO is to get bookings into that restaurant. So it's, while I can optimize that website for that search term, actually the smart play here is understanding what that page is being returned from Google and saying, well, actually here, I just want to get their website into those top five articles because either way, SEO as a byproduct is going to get them hopefully to then have a booking. And I think that's the smart players just understanding what are people searching for. And if you then run a restaurant in, in the Cotswolds and it's a country pub, for example, well, most people are going to go to the Cotswolds potentially for a hike. So then why don't you just start providing hiking routes and information mm. about that that says, oh, well, actually, if I plan my route from this pub, do a hike and then come back for dinner, that's my journey and that's my day out. And then the pub takes that booking. And I do think that's the smart players just understanding what the customer, particularly if you're mm. localized, is looking for and then answering that, creating content, whether that's video, articles, listicles, whatever it might be, and just being the expert in that. And and before you know it, you'll start to build up awareness, you'll start to get traffic and stuff. Mm. You know, if it's a mechanic, it could be we're heading into winter, what are the things you need to check in your car? creating videos, put them on social, put them on YouTube, put them on Vimeo, whatever it might be, and being that useful person. And before you know it, you'll start to get traction, you'll start to get reviews, which have you ranked locally and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But Halfords probably aren't going to sit there and go, um, how to uh, stay safe in Stratford Raven in the winter on the roads because <laughs> they just don't care. And then, yeah. I'm sure that's maybe is, that's a terrible piece of content that you could create, but there are other examples where, mm. you know, that is exactly the sort of stuff that smaller people could, should be doing. And they probably don't need much guidance from an SEO to say, go and write this in terms of mm. this keyword, this structure, because they know that stuff. That's, that's why they're in that business they're in. Whereas we're as SEOs are just going, here's a load of keywords, go and build some content. Yeah. yeah. It's got it's got better, but I think there's still loads of gaps where it's just like here's a spreadsheet, here's some keywords, build some content with no real thought to the audience piece or actually what is that content going to lead to a booking yeah. or a product buy? Yeah, no, I. The more you talk, the more I agree, Kevin. In the sense <laughs> that um, I like it because you're thinking about the customer, you're thinking about the customer journey, and you're thinking about how you're to get your story and their story to overlap. And in that space, you can really do some great stuff. And I think that's where we win. And actually, everything you said, I'm sat here thinking. Well, I, the first question I ask you is, I've, I'm established in e-commerce. What's my strategy? My second question was going to be, I'm new to e-commerce. What's my strategy? It sounds like actually, it's the same strategy. Yeah, I think the only difference, I mean, both of them will have some aspects of technical, right? If, if I play back the three pillars of sort of like where I look at SEO in terms of technical content and then sort of digital PR and marketing, I think if you're a new e-com site, it's looking at what's the tech stack and making sure that it's lightning quick. Because again, mm-hmm. the issue you have when you're more established is the bigger you get, the more sort of like corporate red tape that comes into those things. And then mm-hmm. there's more tech partners or Bazaar Voice or Qubit or Hotjar or any of the other big providers that want code and you've got e-com, you've got merchandise, you've got all these different people wanting tracking and and stuff on the site. I think when you're, let's say, a startup, you have the ability to scale and and pivot and go, right, we don't want that on the site or we can do this without building that that provider. 
and that gives you the ability in some instances to do better than the big players because when I was at Halfords they their site speed was horrendous like it was terrible they ranked purely on the fact they had just a solid backlink profile but yeah. then we had competitors like pure electric coming up that were on a shopify platform that was streamlined their site speed was like under two seconds and that's all the things google wants right and that's the things users want so mm-hmm. while they might not rank for the competitive terms when they rank for a specific product term the customer's going man this checkout is lightning quick click click thanks and, yeah. and they start to take market share that way um so it slightly differs but then again if you're new it it is about going after the longer tail keywords, lower volume, easier for you to rank with, start starting shelf as a competitor with the long-term view of six, 12, 18 months, whatever it might be, you can start to compete on some of those like head tail product terms that have just higher volume. So where would I, um, I'm sitting here listening to you think about this and I, and I, I, I'm going, well, if I'm starting out in e-commerce and you're saying go after the long tail keywords, how do I, how do I know what they are? Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think you can learn a lot by just Googling what you think a customer is searching. And it's what I always say to customers when I'm like, so tell me what you think a customer is searching. Because if I went and searched mountain bikes, for example, well, cool, I'll start to understand, well, most of those category pages and those are quite broad. But then actually, what if it's a different size mountain bike? So it's, I need a 21-inch mountain bike. And then you've got the different size variants. You know mm-hmm. that because you've got that product range sat in your warehouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, cool, and my bikes are orange. Oh, cool. So it's 21 inch orange mountain bike. Cool. And it's full suspension. So you should start like, putting this pattern together of like, well, someone might search. Them. And that start when you start to get the, the much longer tail stuff. There's obviously tools, there's keywords everywhere, which is just a Chrome plugin you can um, pull in that says, hey, you searched this, but here are some related things you could do. And there's obviously Mars, SEM Rush, Ahrefs that you could just pull in that then mm-hmm. gives you the, the long tail variations. But I do think it's just, you know, what do you actually think someone is searching for that product term? If we take a tire example, if I go and check my car on the drive, I won't just search car tires. I'll search, cool, I need to replace one, and I've got Toyo tires, and they're 225, R18, whatever the rest of the speed rating is. Suddenly, that query is much, much smaller than just car tires. Mm-hmm. But the benefit here is if you build the best product page that ranks for that tire, you're probably going to rank, which means you're going to get sales, which means you can reinvest that money back into SEO or PPC or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then do that 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, 40 times, etc. Suddenly a lot more money coming into the business where the big players are like, well, we rank for tires, so like we're always going to capitalize on the market. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's the sweet spot. And the, the example I always have is I had a car client once that was like, we want to rank for cars, but they only sold Audis. And I was like, but why? And they're like, well, it's got a hundred and odd thousand searches a month, whatever it was back then. And, the, they were just fixated on the volume thing. They had the budget. They just we wanted to be known for cars. And I was like, but the amount of people that are going to come to the website and go, I actually wanted a BMW. I wanted Volkswagen. I wanted yeah. a Peugeot. And you can't service that that client. So you'd much better refine it and be an Audi. And then look at the types, the models, the variations, the doors, the engine sizes, etc. And then own all of those different long tail stuff. Does it? Um, I don't know if this is still the case, Kevin. But it used to be. Um, if you know, let's take that example. Someone ranks; they invest heavily in ranking for cars, but they only sell Audi, and so that means a lot of people are going to come to their site and disappear again quite quickly. You know, the bounce rate, as people call it, they you know people bounce. Does that still affect your SEO ranking? So, if people are coming to your site and disappearing quite quickly, are Google going, "We don't like this website"? Um, <laughs> that's a difficult question, and the reason I say that is there's. Um, lots of theories and 
um, actual case studies and stuff that say bounce rate technically does have an impact. Google's official stance is we don't take any Google Analytics metrics into account when we're looking at SEO rankings. Um, I'm unsure is my honest answer. I think they, right. in some degree, have an understanding that if you're clicking from search and then clicking straight back, that probably doesn't answer in the intent and that impacts things. But I don't think we'll ever get a firm answer from Google to say it does. Um, but again, why why would you want to build content or landing pages that aren't good for your customers? Because if mm. anything, the long term here is people are going to get annoyed and frustrated at your brand for being a bit rubbish. And actually, that's probably more important than thinking I can rank for cars, which mm. isn't going to put sales. And it comes back to that exact same conversation. It's traffic or, or cash. And I'd rather have cash over traffic. Yeah, and it's kind of like it is trying to get that like C-suite level like ownership to say traffic means nothing if it's not converting um, because sometimes it's fixate on the numbers that are bigger. So, Kevin, listen, I'm aware of time, and I I <laughs> I, 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 I regret to inform you. Now, it's just one of those where I could. I just feel like I'm scratching the surface on this. So if someone sat there like me and going, oh, I've got a question about this, I've got a question about that. What's some good resources in terms of finding out more? Where's a good place to start? Well, that's a good question. So I think that um, it depends how how detailed you want to go. So Google has its own like beginner's guide to SEO. Um, then there's brands like HubSpot that have some great ideas around just building an SEO strategy, things you need to look at, which can be more high level, but give you the calling to go look at keywords this way. Um, Aleda Solis has a great, um, she's spent a lot of time in the industry building out resources for people to understand SEO from tech strategy, insights, analytics reporting, which I think is uh, learningseo.io. Um, so I'd definitely check that out. Um, and then just start to Google those things. If it's about starting in local SEO, there'll be a good guide about how to build up your GMB profile to make sure you can rank. It is difficult to say this will be the ultimate guide for SEO that you'll ever need because I don't generally think there's one exists because I think there's so many disciplines of an SEO that like, mm. hey, local SEO is different to enterprise SEO and therefore someone who specializes in enterprise SEO isn't going to be the best person to go and follow for, for if you just say run a bakery. Um, but I will try and follow up with some notes that you can put in the comments and, um, and send those out to users. That'd be great. That'd be great. Listen, Kevin, here's my, my crazy question that I've, I've started asking people. I'm really curious to know what your answer is, right? Um, You've just given your best keynote speech in your life ever. I always say to, to guests, imagine it's been to the co the e-commerce cohort sponsor of the podcast. So all the cohorts are sat in a hotel room. You've delivered your best keynote ever on SEO. Yeah, the crowd's going crazy. Go, Kevin. Wow. Um, and you stand up, you take a bow, and you do that thing that they do at the Oscars, which is, I would just like to thank. Um, who would be on your list? What Would there be people, uh, a podcast, a book? Who, who would be on your list of, of people to thank? Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, when I first started, there was definitely what I call the OGs of SEO. So um, people like Barry Adams and stuff were the reason that I got into SEO many, many years ago. And then I think more recently, the people that have made me stay in SEO and keep motivated and stuff is um, Martin McDonald. So he uh, I worked for an agency called Mog Media. Martin's the CEO of that agency, so um, definitely him. But I think outside of that, a lot of it has just been, if I'm honest, self-motivation because I want to buy some land to not live near people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as bad as that sounds, that's there's, been, there's generally been lots of people I could sit here and thank, but a lot of it has also come down to late nights, just learning, getting stuck into the yeah. threads and stuff. 
I want to buy a field and build a house to not be near people. That that's uh, fair enough. I, I totally get that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't personally do it, but I, I, I it's good to have a dream and a goal, right? Um, yep. Listen, Kevin, brilliant. How do people reach you? How do they get in touch if they want to if they want to do so? Yeah, sure. So I'm on Twitter, just at Kev Wells um, as my handle. Uh, I've got a LinkedIn profile, which is uh, Kevin J. Wells, uh, just on LinkedIn. Obviously, my website, which is Kevin Wells, and then the agency I work for, which is just mog.media, which is a enterprise um, agency that has a SaaS platform coming out soon as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. We will, of course, uh, link to all of those uh, links in our show notes. And if you're subscribed to our email list, they will be coming to your inbox directly. If you're not subscribed to the email list, subscribe uh, because you just get those things straight to your inbox. You don't even have to worry about it, right? Uh, so there you have it. What a fantastic conversation. Thank Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you being here today. Uh, <sighs> All good stuff. Like I said, I wish I had another two hours to carry on this conversation. Uh, a big shout out to today's show sponsor, the e-commerce cohort. Do head on over to ecommercecohort.com for more information about this new type of community and membership, uh, which I really think you should check out and uh, join. Be sure to follow the e-commerce podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, because we've got some more great guests like Kevin uh, lined up, and I don't want you to miss any of them. So subscribe, follow. I think follow is now the word we use uh, because Apple Podcasts ditched the word subscribe and changed it for follow. Anyway, uh, in case no one has told you today, dear listener, you are awesome. Yes, you are. It's just a burden that we all have to bear. Now, the e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bainon, Josh Catchpole, Estella Robin, and Tim Johnson. Our theme song was written by Josh Edmondson and my good self. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, you can head over to the website ecommercepodcast.com. Dot net, uh, where you can see them for free and you can also sign up for the weekly newsletter that I mentioned and get all of this good stuff directly in your inbox totally free amazing yes it is so that's it a big thanks from me and also from Kevin thank you so much for joining us uh, I will see, yeah it's, no, it's been brilliant mate honestly uh, we will see you next time have a great week wherever you are that's it bye for now